Welcome, welcome to the new episode of Pop Culture Petri Dish. My name is Abe Epperson. I'm like a little baby who likes to learn about science, and I'll do the jokes, I guess. We'll both do jokes. But Hopefully. I, I'm here, as always, with my co-host. Christian Ramirez. I will also hopefully do some jokes, but I'm going to try to bring some scientific facts and theories into this one. You yeah. know. You know, you know the deal if you're, I doubt this is your first episode of PCPD, so I don't know. Maybe it is though. And this is, this one's a doozy. So, mm-hmm. so if it is your first, uh, just know that, uh, when you hear him talk, he's the smart one. <laughs> um, okay. So what are we talking about today, Christian? Today we're going to be talking about, um, alien physiology and just kind of like you basically the idea that all these aliens in science fiction that we have right now, either Star Trek, Star Wars, whatever your favorite star <laughs> series is, uh, Battlestar Galactica, I don't know. Star Noun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All of those, they all have aliens that are basically shaped like humans. They're humanoids. And of course, we all know the reason is because they're people in costumes, but... I wanted to give an explanation to attempt a scientific explanation as to why that could be a thing that we would run into in the universe. We already talked about like the Fermi paradox pretty mm-hmm. extensively, mm-hmm. which is the theory of like, where are, where have all the aliens gone? Yeah, exactly. And that, that was a pretty in-depth episode about that. And like one of the theories that came up was, well, it's because I mean, the aliens are so different than us. Then how could they communicate with us? Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't communicate verbally the way that we do and so this was just kind of a a fun silly version i mean with some scientific uh evidence to support it of that of like okay there are aliens that are humanoids and they can communicate with us how did they get to be like that because humans are literally it's just us and apes that basically have our basic shape on this planet so, so. we're using those as kind of a control group if you exactly will. And so, yeah, that's where the idea for this alien physiology episode came from. All right. So uh, let's dive right in. So what's up with tits? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you were telling me off, uh, and I want you to explain it more. Uh, when you were doing your studies on this and looking into it, you were bl- blown back by the amount of like thought that we've put in as a culture into the titology of, uh, of this, because it's a, we are very unique in that we, we have very large breasts humans Mm -hmm. yeah, and we keep them around for a long time. So speak to that. What do we know? Why or what are we just observing going like, that's weird. (laughs) A lot of it is just going, that's weird because like we are, we are the only animals in the world who, when females go through um, go through puberty, they have generally larger breasts than any other mammal, and then they also retain those all the way through estus and birth and all of this stuff and all the way through menopause. So we're really weird in that sense, and there is absolutely no scientific consensus on why that is. There's a bunch of theories. And one of which I'm going to talk about as to why this might also apply to aliens. But there's absolutely no consensus. In 1987, um, a scientist and 
Yeah, an evolutionary theorist by the name of T.M. Carroll. He did a paper based, uh, called titled Human Breasts, Unsupported Hy- Hypotheses Reviewed. Because, And this covered, I think, seven different ideas about why humans have breasts and why... Um, yeah, seven different ideas over two different categories. Uh, ones that address the presence of breasts in humans. And the second one would that address the variability in breast size. So boob science has been something that we've been curious about for a long time because it is something that is very specific to humans. And it is still something that on an evolutionary standpoint, we don't completely understand. Like there's no, no inherent reason that we can agree upon as to why they're here. And what I'm going to just give some of the, some of the theories that Carol was trying to either review or dispute or whatever. Uh, they are that they act as releasers of male sexual behavior. They enable females to hide their reproductive condition. Uh, they allow infants to nurse from their mother's hip, which this one's going to come back later. So keep that one in mind. Um, and the ones that address the variability in breast size is that uh, one of them was large breasts indicate lactational potential, uh, ability of mothers to invest prenatally in offspring, mother's uh, fecundity, and finally, her longevity. So Wait, what? I- <laughs> like, do boobs make you live forever? Like, what? what that or- was one of the theories, is that um, different size breasts mean that women are going to live for a longer or shorter period. That one, I think, has been pretty much debunked. I don't That's, know that that one. That sounds like this the guy who's just like, I'm, I'm a boob oil salesman. You're going to live a very long time. It's like, I got two crystal balls right here for you, lady. Someone in comments, tell us if there's any basis for that. But the, the problem with that one is that um, women with larger breasts end up also having problems like back problems. Sure. And plenty of women who naturally uh, have larger breasts get breast reductions to because it just... As an upright mammal, our bodies are already kind of struggling to just stay upright. People have back problems more than other animals do in general. And so adding weights to the front of you is going to make that worse because we are constantly up and moving around and walking. And if you're uh, a lever and you're adding more weight to the top of that it fucks your center of gravity <laughs> yeah it yeah. messes up your center of gravity oh, i see that so it, that's why that one kind of doesn't doesn't i don't know where that idea came from it was probably mm-hmm. like an 1800s like you said boob oil salesman yeah. <laughs> trying to convince people that larger breasts mean that you're going to live longer yeah. but even then women's breast size can vary depending on the rest of their body fat and their weight so a woman who's who's losing weight might have her breasts shrink before the rest of her does. Or if they're gaining weight, they might grow. Like it's, it's such a variable like and weird thing that no other mammals have that there are so many questions that nobody agrees on. Yeah. It's a real grab bag. (laughs) Remember I'm the baby one. Um, Sexual behavior. I thought that that was interesting. It was another video that you showed me is why are human breasts so big? It's a tech insider video Yeah. uh, where they were arguing about how one of the reasons would be as they got more upright and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Like, the male gaze like (laughs) it's very easy to see who quote unquote might be female or compatible for sexual reproduction 
because you can see it as opposed yeah. to everyone on all fours where your eyes don't really have to go much different <laughs> to know what's what's happening there. Um, so as we get more upright, it was an argument that evolutionarily women who would keep their breasts or had longer or had a larger breasts for longer periods of time mm -hmm. during their life uh, would be seen as more sexual or more right you know it was and a part therefore of the, natural selection yeah it was a natural more. selection process and i guess that one kind of makes sense but it also it's, completely specious also. right yeah. it and it also completely removes the actual function of female breasts which is to feed babies like that right. <laughs> that is what they evolutionarily why they're there and that's where this particular theory that we're going that I'm going to talk about a little more comes in and why it makes sort of sense to me um this one was uh, posited by Jillian Bentley in 2001. This was at um, a conference, a scientific conference, and she did a presentation called The Evolution of the Human Breast. And basically, she said that uh, she explored the hypothesis that human breasts co-evolved with alteration of, cranio of the craniofacial region, dentition, and brain size in hominids. So what's dentition? Do you know? That's teeth. Oh, it's teeth. It's the way that our teeth. Oh, work. like our jaws. Our, in our jaws. Yeah. 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 And so essentially, um, if this is more sciencey kind of talk, but I'll explain it real quick. Uh, a reduction in facial prognathism posed new problems for a lactating infant. Uh, for, yeah, new problems for uh, lactating and feeding an infant. Uh, no human primates with uh, prognathic facial areas can feed efficiently on a relatively flat breast without having nasal cavities pressed against the mother's thorax. Okay. <laughs> oh, so wait, so it's like, so it's like big boobs are like shelves for baby heads. <laughs> or like, kind what, of. Kind, or like, like if you're sitting, you can put a baby on your hip and it, it you don't have to force the baby into your right. bosom. And it's also because um, uh, I think the prognathism part, which is uh, is not a word that most people hear all the time, means that um, our mouths and our, our muzzles, basically, compared to those of apes, they come back. They're sunken into our faces a lot yeah, more. Yeah, we don't have a think, snout. Right. If you think about a chimp, um, their mouth and their nose is all kind of one one part of their face and their nostrils actually kind of stick up or they stick down and out, but we're the only ones that have noses the way that we do. Mm. And so the reason that that all developed is because we developed the ability for speech. Our jaws became shorter, um, which allowed us to have more dexterous mouths and tongues and all of that to work all all work together so we could verbalize and develop really complex speech patterns. And so when that happened, if women's breasts hadn't evolved to be a little bit larger then a baby who's pressing up against them and feeding on an ape who basically their chest stay pretty much flat, it would squish their nose and it would make it harder for them to breathe. And basically it could, it would be really detrimental to, uh, that process. And so the idea that um, Jillian Bentley is presenting is that because we developed this ability for speech and the physiological um, way of actually being able to speak complexly, it was a necessity that women grew breasts that stuck out more so that babies could feed and not 
have problems with between feeding Suckle and breathing. And breathing. Yeah. yeah. And so that, (laughs) that leads us to the idea that if there are other aliens that are human-like, that are in whatever, Star Trek, Star Wars, all that, whether, if it's a Twi'lek or, uh, I don't know, I don't know a lot of Star Trek ones. Um, (laughs) Cardassians? Sure. Any ones that are shaped like humans, that it would make sense that they are able that they also develop breasts because they are able to speak to us using mm-hmm. complex systems physiological systems in their mouths yeah. and their nose and everything and that way and that's the reason why they are all ba- basically shaped like humans yeah i always wonder about star trek because like i know that the borg like assimilate yeah um resistance is futile all that and so they take like body parts and they inject like their computer stuff. So yeah. the Borg is more of like a computational organism. Yeah. So first off, why do they have a queen? And two, why has she got titties? <laughs> uh, I guess it's because the like the the subject that became the queen just happened to be a woman. Right. It's weird that they chose. They're like. We must save the queen, and the queen's also a woman. That's like a weird genderism that's happening by the Borg, a computer who doesn't give a fuck. That's true. The idea that computers have gen- that would a computer mind would understand the concept of gender and consider it an important concept. Mm-hmm. To- Only for sexual reproduction, right. for mammalian physiology, exactly. not for like silicon. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, silicon. Uh, it's just like. It's just so weird. Yeah. Like how we, ha- like we just like throw it in there. Like with our sci-fi, uh, we need to make it, like a, a lot of them like with robots, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. we make them look like us because yeah. of the uncanny valley, that all makes sense. Especially when we're creating something. Yeah. But when it's aliens, like, uh, and I know we're talking about mammalian physiology sure. or something like it, because if there's just like a gas... Yeah. Like they don't, they don't fuck, <laughs> you know? Uh, but like, you know, for, for the alien species that fuck, um, it does kind of, I guess, make sense. Like you use the phrase convergent evolution yeah. earlier. Yeah. It, uh, so you're arguing that it's possible or it's like, it makes sense that these bipedal humanoids mm-hmm. that we have in our stories would also have, uh, like all of the members and the physiology that's somewhat compatible. Yeah. Just because that's how evolution solved that particular problem yeah. of sexual reproduction for mammals. Yeah. And that's basically the, the idea that these all, all these different species in sci-fi went through similar things to where they are the ones. And so here's another theory. Maybe these aliens that are in all of our sci-fi are just the ones that we are able to talk to. Right. Because if there are ones that are gas-based or whatever, they might not want to talk to us or they might not be capable of talking to us. Mm -hmm. So the ones that we communicate with and the ones that we have societies with are the ones that are compatible with us. So therefore they came from similar evolutionary backgrounds. So we, we, as we go, we, as we're frontiers, men and women into, you know, the glory of space. Mm-hmm. We already, right off the bat, we're specious. <laughs> we're just like, do yes, you want to talk? Do you need an ambassador for the fish people? Nah, man, because I ask them a question, they go, <laughs> just like, I don't want to hear that shit. I fucking hate that shit. It sounds, it's grating. Um, but yeah, um, part of the reason why we are the, the smartest ape, 
um, is we have, I mean, part of the, I mean, there's a bunch of theoretical reasons. There's obviously the concrete ones of us having the largest encephalization for any other ape. That means our brain uh, compared, our brain mass compared to our body mass. Um, But the reason that we are able to do all those things, uh, first off, as mammals, mammals have conquered much of the earth and we're kind of the dominant um we're the dominant type of animal in the world because of the fact that um at a young age we drink milk milk is and the the type of milk that is designed for um that's specifically designed for us it has perfect balances of like carbs fat and protein for a growing baby Mm -hmm. of whatever particular species that that you're getting it Mm -hmm. um and that helps us develop our that helps our our entire physical development so it makes us it gives us kind of an advantage when it comes to once we're weaned we're basically not humans but other mammals we're basically ready to go once we're once we have not once we're grown past needing milk we're just ready to be that animal we can walk around versus like a deer it's just like comes right out of the birth canal of mama deer and it's like all right where we going yeah (laughs) let's do this chop chop i'm gonna die in probably 18 days from a car so here let's do this uh with us we need to be pampered for a long time yeah um the the concept of childhood walk right the concept of childhood is a very uniquely human thing where we basically have easy mode for the entirety of at like at least the first, I don't know, uh, depending on the person, 11 to like 13 years, 14 years before we go through puberty. Mm-hmm. And that's really, that's a long time compared to any other animal. Um, other animals are able to, are completely sexually reproductive within a year or mm-hmm. like a couple of years. So it's, we have this time period where we're doing nothing but learning. Mm-hmm. where we're just observing other humans and we're seeing what works for them and how we can communicate and get better at those things. And obviously our communication skills grow the most in that amount of time. And that gives us such an advantage. Once we actually become uh, sexually mature adults, we learn so much in that time period mm-hmm. that we're vastly ahead of any other animal. In, in the world. We bake for a long time, but right. when we're out, dude, delicious. <laughs> exactly. These babies are delicious. We're ready to hunt and <clears throat> find food and do all these things that we need to do. Have you heard of this study? And it was done by uh, acoustics, uh, what is it? Acoustic psychologist. Okay. And that is totally not, I did not make that up. That is a job. Yeah. Uh, and they, what they would do is they would, uh, one of the studies that they did is they just made a, a track of cacophony, mm-hmm. like just like car honks and just constant things vying for attention yeah. at about the same loudness, because we don't mean decibel level. There's another metric right. in acoustics called loudness, which is like, if it's, it's attenuation to your ears, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's why we like when we have cell phones or I mean, when we had phones and developed, they chose a particular bandwidth because they were like, intelligibility of speech doesn't really matter under like three, 400 Hertz. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter above like 10,000 Hertz. You can hear me fine. I know what I'm saying anywhere in that middle ground, even though there's tons of sounds that go, you know, there's the ultrasonic, you know, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but so they played everything like kind of equally loud so that they could kind of get a good bearing on what we're like, the brain is attenuated to. And it's like, Oh fuck. Yeah. And, uh, they were just like, 
played this track uh, for a while, and then they asked all of the uh, participants to name some sounds. And the only consistency was that at one point, there's a baby crying. And like everyone <laughs> heard the baby crying. Yeah. Uh, and it's just because we're just... And like we are so much evolution is just like your baby suck. You're, you're the, you're the pandas of the cosmos humans. Like you're an ex- endangered, you're an endangered species because it takes too long for you to like make another one of you. You know, we got these fucking beetles over here and they're just knocking them out like nothing. And you're over here being like, hush little baby for like two years, three years. Yeah. This is just out of proportion. And uh, it's just crazy to me that we, we take so long. Mm-hmm. So like, but you're right. That also might be good for spacefaring as well, because, like you said, uh, we come out like ahead of the gate. Yeah. You know, like we're like the the homeschool kid who like <laughs> gets finally to class and everyone makes fun of you. But then you're like, but just wait, I'm a mathlete. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like we come out, we come out like really uh, more intelligent than any of our, you know, primate brother. Yeah, exactly. We're like. We're in RPG class that has invested everything into intelligence. We're already prestige, baby. Yeah, exactly. We are. We decided, and our environment has backed it up that our S rank, our elite rank intelligence, is the most important thing for us to have, and that's dope. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. It's pretty dope, and it makes and it kind of makes sense that other aliens that we're able to communicate with yeah. would also have long periods of nursing and teaching their young because once they are once they have all of that information packed into them then they're ready to go for the rest of their life they're ready to go out and think about things like creating spacecraft and Mm. doing all of that so it's i don't know it's it's really that part is really fascinating to me that we where uh, there's like orangutans are the second are the ones that uh, keep their young around for the second longest of any of any primate and that's nine years nine years and a baby orangutan is ready to go out into the world but they are also not as social as us we just have this perfect balance of all these attributes that our environment really rewarded and that's why i think us wanting to be a spacefaring race would kind of make sense that the other spacefaring races that we interact the most with in in fiction would have an environment that also rewarded them being very good socializers that would reward them having long terms where they're just learning from their parents and then with that also reward intelligence mm-hmm. so I, I don't know uh, that and so that's kind of why <laughs> that back to the the initial idea that's why aliens have boobs so yeah i'm like i was like i was totally all against earth but that whole speech made me uh, i was like you know what humans are the shit dude we're like fucking smart as hell and bonus titties exist uh i want to get back a little bit to the alien stuff and specifically trek just because that's where i i don't i don't consider star wars sci-fi no uh uh, i'm there's an invisible bow tie that i'm straightening right now uh so like it was a really funny weird thing that happens in star trek where like um frange Mm -hmm. uh love they have these huge domey ears Mm -hmm. it's an erogenous yeah uh zone and then same thing happens with uh wharf and his uh wife early in tng 
or I guess, yeah, yeah, they event because they have a kid together. Uh, they, uh, uh, like, she like plays with his forehead ridges and shit like that because he's a, they're, they're both Klingons. Yeah, she's half Klingon, and um, it's just like crazy to me that I'm just like, we when we decide like whatever thing is very loud to yeah. us when we create something. That's got to be bonable. <laughs> like, that's got to have some function in boning. Yeah. You know, like, you see, like, you see, like, some weird, like, fish monster in, like, Valerian or whatever, and it's got, like, these, like, whiskers, and it's, like, just made of whiskers. You're like, I bet those fucking whiskers <laughs> do something during sex for them. You know, like, just because that we can't help ourselves, our monkey mind. It's literally. an avatar, the, yeah. the long hair, the ponytails. Yeah, they got fucking crazy ponytails and tails. I bet that has to do something with the boner. Uh, and that's kind of true, though, even though it's not. Like, it's right. a lot. This is a dummy's, like, layman's understanding of what you're saying, which I'm sure makes has a lot more credence. But I'm just like, it's true because, like, when we were walking around and then it was just like, women started developing like uh bigger breasts like d- dudes were like we gotta do something with these <laughs> like, right guys this is something right and they're like we don't know this is crazy you're asking us and the women are like yeah we don't know they're just happening it's like do we all like them and everyone's like everyone say i and like women and men raise their hand yep we like them and uh this is my non-binary or this is my binary version of sure. uh but <laughs> it's just crazy to me that it's just like anything loud or anything that's mm-hmm. different about like if you just take basic human shape yeah like all the all the things that in the Vi- venn diagram of shapeness of humans mm-hmm. or any species yeah the things that they share and then just create like a liet motif of that mm-hmm. anything that is drastically outside that mold seems to have a sexual connotation sure that's weird yeah yeah and it's not just the sexual organs right you know which also you know look very differently often mm-hmm. well and i think things like that obviously would stand out to humans more because we're so visually attuned to the world because mm-hmm. we are we needed to early on in our development we had to develop really good depth perception because because uh, apes were running through trees because we developed from primates who were running long tree branches and needed to be able to judge how far a tree branch was so they didn't fall and we developed really good color vision because we needed to see how ripe fruit was that we were going to be able to eat and so yeah it it makes sense and especially from a very humanistic perspective uh, when people create, cr- when people invent other species, that these things that stand out visually to them are obviously for sex, because this is something that we, our entire world is based on our vision and the way that we visually perceive things more than anything else. There are, of course, there's things like sounds that affect us in in a different, more like deep down, deep rooted way, like if you play the sound of something or if you hear something sneaking up behind you, it activates parts of you that are like your fear response and stuff like that, that are more hardwired in. But our vision is so important to everything that we, we're very effective at determining real quick, whether it's a snake or not. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just is that snake? No, that's just a vine. Good. It's just like, how the fuck do you figure that out? Like I want a bird at some point. Like I wish I had that shit. Snakes are a big problem for me and my family. (laughs) 
<laughs> just like we're just like not a snake like, how did you know it was moving like a snake moves it's green like a snake sometimes are uh i don't know why in this this is i guess this, this is, is a bird this is an eden where yeah. for some reason birds and humans talk and have conversations about snakes uh yeah i read this on reddit it was uh today i learned yeah. i thought it was today but it must have been yesterday because i can't find it that's what i was scrolling yeah. i was listening but i was trying to yeah, yeah. school for uh, buzzwords uh but uh, it was a a study that was done fairly recently that was looking at how uh, sexuality in both the minds of uh, usually cisgendered is how they did the study, yeah. but it's not. They also included people who were bisexual. They also included trans people in it, but like they were trying to make the control group more about the cisgendered types yeah. just to see what that would do. And yeah. then kind of not as an afterthought, but then continue the study throughout like what your particular instance is. Uh, and what your se your sexual orientation uh, is. And um, it was interesting because it seemed like just across the gamut, it seems to be very true. One thing they found because they were like showing different types of like pornography or yeah. images. And then I don't know how they test this. Didn't really, but my guess is that they sh they would just like put a, <laughs> like a needle in your dick <laughs> and they would be like, yeah, this guy really likes that. <laughs> Or something i don't know i'm not yeah. a scientist but god i'm glad i'm not a scientist because they're like what <laughs> how are you gonna do the study abe dr abe i was like i don't know needle in the dick <laughs> like this guy needs to not be a doctor uh but yeah so what they found out it is more important the curvature and the combination of bones and like the arcing of the body yeah and like the shape the body makes so like imagine a silhouette of a very sexy man or woman mm -hmm. and if they're in a like a very sexy pose mm -hmm. as opposed to just standing there like a dingus <laughs> uh like obviously one is gonna make you feel more sexual thoughts right yeah. uh that is a more powerful suggestion to our sexual brain mm -hmm. than the like than clothing being on or off so you can have like just a naked dingus or a very like clothed, like poised dingus. Yeah. And you're always going to be like the attractively posed one is yeah. the one that I'm into. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be the trend yeah. uh, across our brains because it's more of, and I thought that that was interesting. There were more like, like damn girl, that bone structure, as opposed to <laughs> like, take it off. Even though we make jokes about that all the time about yeah. like, you know, there's strip joints where the main purpose is seems to be in most people's minds the lot the lack of clothing yeah but actually according to this it's more about the dancing yeah that that does make them that makes a lot of sense because things like fashion and physical adornments and the amount of clothes that people have worn over the ages those have changed those alter and vary but the kind of i guess shapes that you're talking about mm -hmm. and poses and stuff like that, that we have found sexually attractive or that are in pinups or whatever. Those are basically the same. Like if you want to go through our, an artistic history of, of humanity, it's all, it's all a similar, like 
the way that you are suggestive sexually that hasn't changed in that amount of time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, and that, I mean, that, that's just another thing that lends credence to it. It's just that humans figured it out for like advertising before they, a scientist actually right. went in. and like, Yeah. And it, it like, if I'm dancing sexy at you, yeah. more of an indicator that I'm hot to trot uh-huh. than if I just were to take off my shirt right now, <laughs> yeah. you know, like they both say something, but like one says something <laughs> and the other is just like, maybe he's just hot. Like yeah. maybe he just needs to take a shirt off. Yeah. You know, but if I if I may fuck you eyes at people, which I never do because no one wants that. Uh, rarely do people want fuck me eyes outside of the bedroom. But uh, yeah. you know, like especially coming from this monster, I'm just like, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? As I furrow my brow and like make my eyes like Steve Buscemi's eyes. Uh, yeah, and that makes sense as to why the people can have um, sexual proclivities for like that. Um, match up with furries and stuff like that because we've all seen Lion King and we know that La- that Nala makes the eyes at Simba at one point. And you're like, damn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What the like, fuck? What's going on with that lion? Yeah, and I'm always just like, I know Ariel's a mermaid, but damn. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah, because when they get it right, they get it right because they, they know, and they are also dealing with, like, usually because they draw the most beautiful people. Right. Uh, and the anthropomorphizing of, uh, you know, like, the furry culture and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. Like, I've I've actually been to furry cons for research, and there was, uh, yeah, for research. Now, <laughs> I, I've been there because uh, Mike and I are writing that furry movie. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's very interesting because a lot of the artists, they focus on, like, the facial regions to be animal Mm -hmm. and like paws and stuff like that but and tails so once again the big strokes that make the you know if you were to take like a fox and a human and do a venn diagram you'd be like well you got basic four you know two arms two legs or four legs and you know you got this going on and stuff like that everyone's got a face with two eyes all that seems to be the same uh they do draw it in a lot more like disney-esque way kind of like you're mentioning yeah but the bodies like these foxes have like these abs are like nice, you know, like, and, yeah. the, and all of like they're bending, like the way in which like the contours of like the butt and stuff like that, that all is like very, like, it's all super sexy flanders, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's not like a wolf butt. Right. It's like, a, exactly. It's, it's like a man butt, um, and, or a woman butt. And it, it's very interesting to me because what they choose to include and, exclude about the human element and when to what to include and exclude has variants like yeah. not all people are drawing the same thing right but um it does seem to be like a trend yeah right? like I, the most i saw is just a layman arriving and looking around at the art yeah you know pretty cool and also i knew noticed like typical nuances yeah yeah the first the fursonas can have a different a wide variety of types and animals and stuff like that but like the expressions and the poses and stuff like that are all going to end up being similar because Mm -hmm. it's our ape animal brain that is that's perceiving those and that's what it's activating that's nice butt. yeah exactly damn nice boobs (laughs) you know that is, that's a sexy come hither pose. That's what that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so you think aliens would have some semblance of that? Yeah, the, the ones that because of because of the fact that they, something that's similar enough to us to communicate with us had to evolve in a similar way 
then it makes sense that once they're upright, they're also going to be looking at each other eye to eye and rather than just like looking at each other from behind all the time. And it's, and, um, oh yeah, I'll get back on that one point that I said earlier that I would expand on, um, the, the theory that breasts allow infants to nurse their, from their mother's hip. That's one thing that, um, as a bipedal animal is extremely important because it means that the mother isn't completely, um, like isn't completely bed bound when she has a baby, Mm. she can hold them and they can nurse, they can do their thing while she's still up and moving around, gathering food, doing whatever tasks she needs to do. And it isn't as much of a hindrance, which means that they're more mobile and more able to keep that baby alive for the time that they're the most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, and so you can imagine that other aliens that developed in a similar way to us that are also bipedal that also have similar physical structures to us would do the same thing that they would, that they would need to be able to be mobile and uh, protect that baby or keep it alive for the time that it's most vulnerable. And part of that is being upright and being able to scan and see what's going on, being able to gather and all that stuff. And then eventually that, is perceived by the males of the species like, Oh, that means this woman is more capable of holding up the baby. And that's one of the theories about it. And so, yeah, that's the convergent evolution thing that I was telling you about is what uh, my idea on it. That's why it makes sense. So much sense to me about in this particular thing is that of course, the animals, I mean, not the animals, animals, but also aliens, the intelligent species that we want to communicate the most with and that we interact the most with in these, in these fantasy worlds or these sci, the sci-fi worlds are the ones that are going to be the most similar to us. And they're the most similar to us because evolution, uh, natural selection has selected similarly on them. And that's why Captain Kirk wants to fuck every alien. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about it. He's like, he don't give a fuck. And they don't give a fuck. They're no, like, yeah. I'm down. Yeah. We're all down. So it's, it's a healthy uh, hookup, I guess. Yeah. You know? But like, what if... What if it made like a new species? Like they're compatible enough. Like a mule, but it's like a, yeah. a screeching... <laughs> Like horrible baby, like a demon. It's like kill me. It's just Quato. We just, <laughs> it's just like Kirk has a bunch of Quato children. I mean, Look into your mind, Kirk. That's the episode that we've that we will never see. Yeah. Just like I had another baby, and Kirk's like, yeah, I know. Well, bring him over. We have, <laughs> we have a trash compactor. Woo! It's got dark. It's got dark. Tiberius. You motherfucker. Yeah, no, and uh, Riker, too, by extension. Yep, he, that's he'd true. Be, he'd be fucking. The universe is potentially an infinite sexual buffet. That's why they call him number one. <laughs> yeah, so I like to always end this podcast with uh, a question. Uh, so part one of one, what's Weir's dick? <laughs> it's the only time I've ever asked this question. I don't know. I'm moved to. <laughs> There's... Uh, I've had this question about like, what does Chewbacca's dick look like? Is it hairy? Is it like a dog's? What's going on there? I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it could be anything. 
<laughs> well, not anything because it doesn't wear clothes, so right. it's got to be all like matted up in there. Yeah, it's got to be know? in there. Yeah, we just don't it's know. Just like at one point, I just want him to be driving, like because like they had that uh, they had that uh, Life Day, the uh, yeah. yeah Chewbacca Life Day, or what are they called? Wookie Life Day. Yeah, and uh, just like they they have to have pu- puberty at some point because mm-hmm. it has like a little like rat-nosed, horribly Lumbaru, designed, yeah. and he's just like, just reading a story and just gets an erection. It's just this little red rocket that comes out of this fur mane, and just like, no one wants to see that. No one wants to see that. I want to see what Cthulhu's dick looks like. That's a good question. Probably it, another Cthulhu. It, it could just have a cloaca. We don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. a sea creature. Think of what your predator dicks look oh, like. Oh yeah. No clue. It uh, it's you know what it is? It's it, it opens up like their face does, but twist one of the xenomorph alien things comes out like the thing the little baby yeah, one. Yeah, the little the little mouth inside is the mouth. Is that thing sentient is my big thing. Cuz it seems to be like independent scream at times sure so it knows to be like <laughs> at different times that like mom's like <laughs> and so it's gotta like have its own brain right it also looks like a face so it's gotta have a tiny little brain do they have conversations I don't are know. they connected that's a good question these are things i need to know we'll answer that in one when we do it about xenomorphs yeah do xenomorphs just have a little buddy for their entire <laughs> life just like go little buddy pop pop right through their skulls <laughs> You got it, Mom! All right, enough of that. Well, thanks again. Everybody, (laughs) hug your mothers. I don't know. (laughs) All right, that's Uh, it. Bye. Bye.